Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org. But I'm so excited to be here, and I'm really honored to have a moment to share about relationships. Okay? And uh, I'm just asking that you open your heart open your mind, and at the end of my sharing, I'm going to open up a session for questions. In case you didn't understand something or you thought you could or you wanted to know something, I'll be ready. I'll be ready, okay? I begin by saying that I'm a happily married man, and... uh, I have her ring with me. This is not my ring. This is her ring. Because she gave it to me. And um, it's a sign of her covenant with me. And you know, covenant is all that good and good. And once you enter covenant, it talks about until death do you what? Part. The covenant really talks about the only thing that can terminate it is death. That's how far it goes. It is so serious. And uh, we're going to start our session. You ready? (laughs) Okay. You came with your Bibles? That's beautiful. Because I'm not going to be teaching from from anything else but from the Bible. Because if you're going to learn what God has for you, it's all in this book. It's all in this book. Everything. Hallelujah. Yeah. Let's go to Genesis. Chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. Okay, you hang in there on that beautiful chapter. Now, I want us to... Learn something this very evening. How many of you here are married? Wow. Almost everybody is. Okay. How many of you here are in a relationship? Okay. Yeah. (laughs) You're right. Okay. Your relationship. Okay. When it hasn't graduated to marriage. Okay. (laughs) Okay. We have some people. But we're going to learn some few things that are going to. Uh, change our lives. I am not sharing this because I have been married for many years. No, I'm sharing it because the Lord has laid it upon my heart. So my ability to teach you doesn't come from my experience of many years. It comes from what the word of God reveals in by his spirit. Okay. So I just, I know us, I have Pastor Dean over here, been married for 33 years. You know, I've been married for 13. I met 13 years on Valentine's Day. Yeah, I met it so well to just make sure no chances, no excuses. I got to have my anniversary on Valentine. So (laughs) I have no excuses. Now, I'm going to ask you a few questions uh, before as I begin to teach and um, my subject is simple, the expectation, okay? 
the expectation. You will understand as we go down the road. Now, I want to say this to us. My first question, why did you get married? <laughs> I love the faces. <laughs> why did you get married? Can I get some answers? Uh, do we have some bold people that can tell us some realities here? Yes, sir. Okay. He wanted a family. That's one answer. Do we have any other? You are in love. Oh, yeah, I'm in love. I better marry. Okay. Can we have another answer? You know these answers. Come on. You know the reason you married, don't you? You see, I'm going to tell you something. If you marry or whatever you do, you got to have a reason why you do it. Amen? You got to have a purpose of why you do it. Because the purpose is the reason why. Amen? So when you are marrying, that means I marry because of this. Why? Because when you have purpose, then fulfillment can happen. When you don't know the purpose of why you do what you do, you will get discouraged along the way. When you know the purpose, purpose will keep you there until you get to the end. When purpose is fulfilled, enjoyment becomes inevitable. So if enjoyment is not in, then purpose is not being fulfilled. Come on now. Then purpose is not being fulfilled. And when purpose is not being fulfilled, you're getting bored and everything no longer makes sense. I've had two gents say the reason why they got married. And from this side, I heard my friend saying, well, I wanted to have a family. And of course, according to the word of God, the legitimate way is you get a woman, put a ring around her finger, and then take her home and you start a family. And then on this side, I'm in love. Can I get some two ladies? Come on, ladies. Huh? I, I missed that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he tricked her. Okay. That's another reason. <laughs> That's another class. <laughs> now, we're going to go... I need another lady. Because you loved him. A godly man. Wow. That is so beautiful. Now before we proceed, I want us to analyze together these reasons. Okay? Let's think together. There are beautiful reasons and many of you have not raised up your hands but surely you know you fall in one of them categories or somebody say it, I needed to have somebody to pay my bills, you know. <laughs> I needed somebody to pay my bills or you know what? I wanted me some sex, but uh, I needed to have it in the legitimate way. You know, when you're born again, you know, you can just go hang around anyhow. You got to make sure somebody puts a ring around your finger, then you can start the thing. So I needed to start it. But I needed to do it the right way. 
right? Are those some beautiful answers? Okay, now let's analyze these answers together, okay? Why did you get married? Why do I ask this question? I've done it in many sessions I hold because it's the foundation. When you don't know the purpose of a thing, you will abuse it. Okay? But when you know the purpose of a thing, you will preserve it. You will protect it. It will be good. You will enjoy it. Because the more you fulfill the purpose, you're enjoying it. For example, if this mic was not able to amplify my voice, I would be going. What's wrong? You get it? But I keep it here because it's doing its work. It's doing what it was designed to do. So I'm not going to play with it. I'm going to preserve it. I'm going to protect it. Now the question comes in. Why did you get married? I was in love. I needed a family. I needed some sex. Somebody got to pay my bills. Uh-huh. Uh, 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 and you know the answers keep going on. Okay? Oh, she was so beautiful. I couldn't live without her. <laughs> All these are, <laughs> Okay? Now you see some people are beginning to realize their answers. But I want you to know, I don't... I'm not sure whether you see something similar in all these answers. There's one thing that is similar in all of them. Huh? Thank you. Thank you. All these answers have the word I. Me. You get it? I needed a family. I was in love. I wanted sex. I... Needed a real man. I. So the challenge is this. That when we look at these answers, we see us. That's disaster. Why? Marriage was not initiated by you. It didn't start by I. So it's not about I. Marriage was created by God. Not even Hollywood created marriage, okay? Not even the government of the United States of America did not create marriage. Marriage was created by God. So you get to know the origin of marriage. Marriage originated from God. So if it originated from God, then God had in mind a reason why he created it. And because it came from him, therefore it is not about us. If you want to know the purpose of a thing, you go to the manufacturer, right? The purpose of a thing is in the mind of the person who makes that thing. When God created marriage, the purpose of marriage was in his mind. The purpose of marriage was not for you to decide. And because we choose to decide the purpose of marriage, our marriages collapse. We must embrace the purpose that he had originally when he created marriage. Okay? That's why if I say, man, I need me some sex, but you see I'm born again. Oh, how can I do it? I need to marry now. I need to marry now. You see, you're going to marry, but you're still trying to do it for you. 
You're not doing it for him. Yet marriage belongs to him because he created it. He owns it. He's got the copyright. Okay, let me say it that way. God holds the copyright to marriage. And anything else less than what God says is a fake. Do you hear me? And because God holds the copyright to marriage, this is what happens. That he decides what the purpose is. We don't decide. God decides. Therefore, when, our, when we get, how are we going to know what the purpose is? We get to know the mind of God. Because he had it before he created marriage. How do we get to know the mind of God? The mind of God is here. In his word. So this is where you find the purpose of marriage. When you find the purpose of marriage in here and you begin following it, you fulfill it. Let me tell you something. You are going to be made whole. You will enjoy that marriage irrespective of what you see. So now we get to understand that marriage starts with God. It doesn't start with us. So it doesn't matter how much we desire, how much we feel, whatever. We need to first report to headquarters. What is God saying? Marriage starts with God. Okay? Marriage starts with who? With God. And this is what it says in Genesis chapter 2. Verse 24 and 25. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and he shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. We want to find out and discover the purpose of marriage. Because when you get to know it, I'm telling you, you're going to enjoy your life. You're going to enjoy your marriage. Marriage only becomes hard because we don't know its purpose. We think it's all about us. Amen. Now he looks at the word in verse 24. Therefore shall a man leave. Because we want to discover the purpose of marriage. Okay. God already ordained it. Now we want to discover it. We want to find it out. We have first of all resolved that it's not about us. When you get in marriage and it's about you. You're going to be struggling to always try to promote your agenda. But when you get in and it's about him, you're going to be working to promote his agenda. And here he says, therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother. What does the word therefore mean? <laughs> okay, we know what it says. Huh? When somebody says therefore, you know what he's up to. Okay, but then to try to describe it. And this is how I describe therefore. It's a result of something previously explained. Therefore, in other words, if something has been previously explained, all I, the word therefore comes in. Now that you understand this explanation, therefore, or do this, this ought to happen. Now that you understand this, do this. So God says, therefore, shall a man leave his father and his mother. Who says these words? Many times when you read it, you think probably Adam said these words. Hallelujah. Adam never said these words. Amen. 
It is actually God who spoke them. To prove it, you go to Matthew 19 and you're going to watch Jesus quoting the Father saying, it is written, for God said. <laughs> so these words were spoken by God. I've been in places where I ask people, why did you get married? And somebody said, you know what? The Bible says it is not good for the man to be alone. I needed me to get somebody. It is not good for the man to be alone. And I've told them, no, 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 no. The Bible says that to who? Oh, it, it, you know, God said it to Adam. And I tell them, I don't know how you read your Bible. God never spoke to Adam. That it's not good for you to be alone. Read your Bible. It's never there. God spoke to himself, not to Adam. He said, and God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. Now God is talking to himself. Adam knows nothing. Therefore, no man can come up and say, oh, I can't be alone. I can't be alone because God said it's not good. God said he didn't even talk to you and he's never talked to anyone about it. It was him and him. Huh? So all you need to do is to get to him and know what he says. Therefore, this is a word that comes as a result of something previously explained. We want to find out the purpose of marriage. What was previously explained? You back up in the verse and you say, verse 21, and the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam and he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, Adam says she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. She's bone of my bones. This is the reality that no man should even think about marriage until you accept equality. Because mm -hmm. look over here. Adam said, this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. What was Adam acknowledging? Equality. Because you were, you came out of me. We're the same. Adam was acknowledging what? Equality. And when God saw that Adam had acknowledged equality, uh, okay, <laughs> and I can sit for that long. <laughs> when God saw that Adam had acknowledged equality, he said, there are four. He was saying, now you understand it. Now you get it. Now you're a candidate. Come and help me preach. The two of you. The two of you. Let me show you. This is what happens. Here is Adam. You get it? And this is the woman. So Adam sleeps. God removes the womb. Some of you look at this and say, but what? You see, if you don't get the basics, the rest will be a gumbo. Now look, here the rib is removed, he's asleep, and God goes this way, 
And what does he do? Forms the woman. Uh-huh. And God walks together. And he comes in. When he comes, God stands. He doesn't say a word. He doesn't say a word. He waits. Why? Because when that's how God was doing. Remember when he told Adam to name the animals? The first thing God wrote were animals. And he watched Adam. And Adam said, that's none of me. That's none of me. That's none of me. I am not like that. Then God comes again. And doesn't say a word. And Adam watches and says, Now this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. Adam gets a revelation of equality. A revelation of oneness. When Adam understands that, that's when God says, therefore, Adam explains and says, she shall be called woman because she was taken out of me. Who told Adam? She was taken out of you. Revelation. He just saw and said, there is no way you can be if I was not. The reason you are is because I am. That's why when a man fails to be, it's a hassle for how to be. And many times I've been told that, oh no, you know, you got to make sure that all of us, uh, you know, we work it out. Marriage is 50-50. Let me correct your theology. Marriage is not 50-50. No. Marriage is not about 50-50. And I'm explaining more. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. And God says, this guy understands this stuff. So it's simple. Therefore, for this reason, for what reason? For what reason? Now he's giving you the purpose of marriage. For what reason? The reason that she was one with you. She was inside you. You get me? And then God pulled her out. You get me? So she was one with you in the first place. And then I come and take her out. I mold her again. You literally give yourself up for her to be. <laughs> you give yourself up for her to be. So when you give yourself up for her to be, I come back and I see whether you really understand what's going on. And you look and you say, yes, I do understand. And then I'm acting like God and I say, for this reason, a man, you shall leave your father and mother. You've been under a home. You've been in one home, but now you are going to leave them. To leave means to abandon. Okay, I know that gets you a lot of chills going down your spine. When you hear a word like that, abandon. It literally means that your mother and father are no longer the priority. She becomes the priority. That if you're going to fix anything or do whatever, she comes first at the expense of your mom and your dad. 
Mom and dad, you better love me. You better love me. She comes what? First. Now, when this happens, God says, for this reason what? That you were one. We got to have a homecoming. You got to go and get her again and bring her back in so that you are one again. In other words, the purpose of marriage is a reunion. The purpose of marriage is that the oneness that existed before may be restored may be restored why the one because the one exhibits the image of God almighty the one and only God he is the one now when you marry you come in you walk out to be one when you walk out to be one you are working out to reflect the image of God almighty to the world I want you to listen to me. There is no children mentioned. There is no sex mentioned. There is nothing that we grab on that has been mentioned. It is for the reason that you are one that I want you to be one again. And what do we call divorce? It becomes two. And why is it two? When it's two, then we're not bringing out the image of God. Because the image of God. You see, you see, I've not mentioned sex. <laughs> I know we love that stuff. But I've not mentioned it. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I've not mentioned it. Why? Because he never mentioned it here. The reason is that you were inside. And then I brought you out. And now you become one again. And this is what he mentions in Ephesians chapter 5. And he says this is a great mystery. But I'm talking about Christ and the church. A man shall leave his father and mother and be united, joined, cleave to his wife. Do you know the Bible <laughs> leaves the cleaving part to the man? The man cleaves. That means as long as you display the love God has given you, that girl is going to fall on the floor and worship you. And you choose to be the man. She's going to fall on the floor and worship you. This is what happens. That word cleave that we have read, this is what happens. A man shall leave his father and what? And mother. And that's why many times our marriages fail because mama and papa still want to tell us what to do. Let me tell you, when you get married, it is not two families that get married. It is you that gets married. You hear me? And the rest of us family are here to support and watch God begin a new one. 
It is delicate. It needs time. It needs support. It needs everything. Hallelujah. And I want you to see something. Shall leave his father and mother and the two shall become what? One. All shall be joined to his wife. And I kept studying that word joined, cleave, united. And in Hebrew, it's the word dabak. In other words, united is still missing out. It's, some of these translations miss out the reality. Amen? But it's to attach yourself to another as an act of unselfishness. That to join means you attach yourself to another as an act of unselfishness. In other words, you lose your interests. You sacrifice them for her or for him. You attach. That's what means to join. That everything you're doing, it's about the benefit of the other. The benefit of the other. The two shall become one. This is what happens. One of the problems we've had is this. Stand here. I want you to push it up here. You'll be around here. This is what the Bible says. The two shall become what? One. But you know that this whole thing, marriage is still Jesus being depicted. A man shall leave his father and mother. Jesus left. I want you to come from the other side. Round about there. Jesus was with his father. And he left. Do you hear me? I know you've been told marriage has got to be 50-50. That love is about, this is what you've been told. Love is two-way traffic. Has anybody had something like that? Oh, come on. You've heard it? The love is a two-way what? Straight. Okay. The what it means is you come and she does what? And she comes and you meet at a vantage point. In other words, if he comes and she is not coming, huh? then he will get tired and give up. Am I right? But you see, that is carnal teaching. That is carnality. Let me show you the spirit here. When Jesus left the Father, the church did not move an inch. As a matter of fact, it turned and looked that way. We didn't want nothing to do with him. But he had left to come. And attach himself and get us together and bring us back in. He moved and she wasn't moving. He moved nothing. He moved nothing. He moved nothing. He moved. Now, this is where many of you say, Pastor, I've had enough of this. I can't take any more of this nonsense. I can't take any more. How can you just keep giving and giving and giving and you ain't getting nothing back? 
<laughs> that is carnality. God gives and gives and gives because he's a giver. You don't give and give and give so that you may get something back so that you may be encouraged. No, your encouragement comes out of expressing your nature. <laughs> Let me show you. Come back here, man. <clears throat> so you, you got to literally... Uh, they told you 50-50. No, you're coming 100%. And over this side, zero. If you can overcome this, if you can win in this, you're going to see the oneness you've never imagined. So you come and cover all this. When you come, listen to what happens. He gets close. He says, I love you. She says, no way. Push him off. She walks off. And he comes in again. Comes in again. And she says, no way. Pushes him off. Now, let me tell you something. How many of you are going to keep saying, you know what? God, you know you want me to be happy, okay? Don't you? Because <laughs> look what I've done. No, you ain't done nothing yet. Jesus was pushed off a zillion times. To a point where she turned around and said, don't worry. I'm going to kill you. And said, "Ah, huh? yes, I'm going to kill you. Come here. Get up on the cross. <laughs> I don't like this nonsense of you claiming you love, you love, you love. Come here. I don't, I, I don't want to know whatever is going on. Put your legs here, here your feet here. I'm going to put you down. I'm going to kill you and stop this nonsense. You're finished. And so she goes and comes up to here. And three days later, this man comes back. Sunday. Mm comes back and finds her and says it was for you she can't believe that somebody can love me like this she can believe that somebody can give everything up for me somebody can lay down their lives for me now she's ready she's accepting him she wants to go back in whoa Love, 100%. It's not a two-way street. That is what the world does. That is not what the church does. The church goes 100%. And the moment she gets the revelation, she also comes 100%. And she says, I am all yours. I am all yours. And that is what God says. A man shall leave his father and mother. Love is not a two-way street, okay? Love is a choice. You're saying I'm coming 100%. You can kick me. You can do everything you want, but I'm seeking your best. Thank you. Now, are you grasping this? No. I know we used to... I will love you as long as you love me back. Do you know we've walked away from the purpose of marriage? Somebody's got to die. Somebody's got to go down. If another is going to go up. 
You lay everything on the floor. And this is what we are learning over here. And he said, and they were both naked but unashamed. But I want you to look at this. Let me first define the one. How do you define one? One is the image of God, okay? But how do you define it furthermore? When you hear one, it is not just a digit. Do you get me? It's not a digit. It's much more than that. In Ephesians chapter 2, I think it's around verse 14. You know what the Bible says? For he has made the two one. By rem- he has made peace by making the two what? One. One, according to the Bible, means peace. And who is peace? Jesus Christ. Do you see that your whole marriage is not about you? Do you see that your whole marriage has got nothing to do with you? That you're just a vessel? That you're in to fulfill another's expectation? That you don't get married and you come with your expectations because what destroys the oneness is I come expecting. You got to give me sex at least twice every week. At least, you know, but the the average has got to be twice every day. And then we can move on because, you know, I'm a man. I need me sex. I'm wired to just have sex. I don't know where you get most of this nonsense from. Because it's not in the Bible. I know you've been told you men are wired to sex. That a man thinks about sex every three minutes. That's ridiculous. You mean I've been preaching here. The only thing I'm thinking about is sex. I can't even preach. That is demeaning. You mean Jesus walked planet earth and the only time it would be, or sex, or sex, and you believe that nonsense? Huh? Let me tell you this. (laughs) It's not what everybody tells you that you are wired. No. You are wired towards God. And the same grace he gives you is the same grace he allows you to have to stand as a man and control your sex urges. Knowing that sex is not your right, your demand, it's a gift that is served to you. You see this whole thing is eliminating the eye. So this is what happens. We get married and we're saying, we all come with our expectations. I want a wife who can cook. I want a wife who can wash my clothes. I want a wife who can be lovely, who can stay beautiful forever. I want a wife who will just be there. Do you see your expectations? And the wife comes in. I want a man who is strong, who can do this, who can, who can pay my bills, you know. A man, a man. And you f- literally are thinking about you. You come with all your expectations and he comes with all his expectations. And guess what? 
come back. <laughs> I love to illustrate when I teach. He comes with his expectations. She comes with her expectations. Uh-huh. And none of them can yield to what God expects. This one has his own expectations. She has her own expectations. Nobody cares about God. What about God? No, God will follow. Follow you. Let me tell you the reality. When you come with expectations, you want your expectations to be met. And if they are not met, you become discouraged and you say this marriage ain't working. When your expectations are not met, you say this marriage ain't what? Working. Working. So what do you do? You want out, so you go and find somewhere where your expectations can be met. But this marriage was never about you. What happens? When you have expectations, she ceases to be one of your own. But you're going to begin seeing her as a hindrance to meeting your expectations. She'll become a hindrance. Whether you like it or not. You're going to turn around and you're going to say, honestly, you see, when I was alone, it was better. But this woman doesn't understand me. The moment you hear a man crying out like that, it's simply because he has his own agenda. And then his agenda is not being met. And he's saying that this one is the one who doesn't understand. Because we got a vision to, my expectations got to be met. You begin seeing her as the enemy. Of your expectations. And you begin seeing him as the enemy to your expectations. So what starts? Strife. Pastor, if I can just let this man leave me alone. I'm going to be okay. Why? Because you got expectations. You want them to come to pass. And it seems like he's nothing but a loser. That is where the wrong, the error is. The reality is this. That when you are married, it's not about your expectations. Ask yourselves, what do you expect of us? Whatever you expect of me as a man, you've empowered me, Lord. I will do it. Whatever you expect of me as a woman, oh Lord, I thank you, you've empowered me. Now as you are going and reaching out to God, you are going to meet his expectation and both of you are rising and behold, you merge and behold the oneness. Before long, you realize that actually what you are calling just your expectations was nothing but self-centeredness. What God wanted is to bring the two of you. And for the oneness to happen, you don't seek what you want. You don't seek what you want. You seek what God wants in the marriage. And what does God want in the marriage? He wants his purpose fulfilled so that the two of you can manifest the oneness. When the oneness is manifested, there is peace. 
A successful marriage is not a marriage that has a lot of money. It's not a marriage where you go to Barbados and the Bermuda and Bahamas and all the bars. No, that is not the successful marriage. A successful marriage is when you and you become one. When you become one, you reflect God. You show peace. Your babies will see peace. Everyone will see peace. When you have this, you have it all. That's why it doesn't have to take you 20 years to have a successful marriage. The problem is our pursuits, our self-centeredness. If I can have this, if I can have this. Well, she's not giving birth to children. I guess she was not meant to be with me. Me, I need children. So you thought you could use her as a tool for your own selfish ends. But where love is, it doesn't matter what is happening around you. You embrace love. Hallelujah. Thank you so much. You embrace love. Now, I want you to understand that is the oneness. And then he said, and the two of them were naked, but unashamed. Hallelujah. When you look at the oneness, this is how you build it the more. First of all, you look to what God expects of you. Hallelujah. And a major way is transparency. They were naked but not ashamed. What does naked mean? Naked means I have no cover. Okay? When I'm naked, it means I have no what? Covers. I am open. I am vulnerable. I am transparent. You know, these are the things we don't do in marriage. I am transparent. That is nakedness. The real oneness happens when transparency begins. Because you know what transparency does? Transparency builds trust. Transparency produces what? Trust. You got to be open. Both of them were naked but unashamed. This is what happens. Many times you think we can be one because we are similar. No. We can be one because we are transparent. You see me for who I am, but you still love me. You still accept me. You still embrace me. No matter what is happening. You still love me. Do you see the unconditional love coming in because you're transparent? And many of us... A lady called me the other day and said, Pastor, I need to talk to you. I said, what is it? Say, uh, th- there's something that I'm going through and uh, I've never told it to my husband. He doesn't even know it. Doesn't even know it. They've been married for years and years and years. And says, he doesn't even know it because if he ever knows it, he will not love me. I said, what is it? Says, I have a son he knows nothing about. And that son has made 50 years of age. I got him before I met him. But I knew if I was to tell him I had a son, he was never going to marry me. <sighs> now you see how deep that is, huh? The fear to be transparent, to be naked, and you're not embarrassed. When you know God loves you and has accepted you, you come and tell your spouse, this is who I am. This is how my old life was. This is how everything is. And you got to know that when you open up, 
let me tell you this. When somebody opens up to you, God is giving you trust. And saying, what are you going to do? Are you going to destroy this person? Or are you going to use it to protect them and love them the more? And that is what a challenge for some of you that are here. When your relationship is not yet there, you got to learn to open up. You got to learn to bring everything to the front. Hide nothing. And if you're afraid that she won't love you, then you don't know how much God has accepted you. Because if you know how much God has accepted you, you won't be afraid to open up before this person and you let them know this is how I am. Because your trust is in God. Naked but not ashamed. That brings the oneness. You see, I've heard people say, you know, we're, uh, we have irreconcilable differences. Do you know that God designed differences as part of making you one? He never designed differences to be your enemy. He designed the differences for you to be one. In fact, if you really want to understand this, you got to look at Adam and his wife. They had no clothes on. And you would see how different these people are. Without clothes on. Everything is different. The anatomy totally different. Yet God says, the two of you can be one. Why? Because when that happens, then it requires God Almighty to cause a Jew and a Gentile to bring them together. <laughs> the impossibles can only be done by God. So when the negatives come in and you think we are different, this is what happens. God is saying, trust me, I want to bring you together. I want to make you one. With your differences. Those differences are designed so you can depend on me. But if there were no differences, then you would not need me. But with the differences, now you, you know you can't on your own. So you need me. So we can be able to do this and the two of you become one. And when you become one, that is absolute fulfillment in marriage. But where is our challenge today? We fear. In fact, some of us are gathered here. We can't even talk to one another. We can only show up and pretend. Because we've got to a point that if everything is falling, pretend it's okay. But I'm here to break the spirit of pretense so all of you can open up and all of you can be real with your spouse. Don't be afraid. Where fear is, love is not. When I met my wife, I told her, Honey, before we go so far, this is who I am. Okay, this is my old life. I was a bad boy and this is how I was and everything and everything. If you ever hear any girl come in and say, that boy was crazy. You just know I told you everything, okay? <laughs> Amen. Good. And everything was handed out and that helped us to merge. Because there's nothing to hide. There's nothing to be ashamed of. You accept me for who I am, not for what I want you to think I am. That is not love. That is trying to love somebody conditionally. And that is not love. But we overcame that. When I met my wife, she was this laid back, proud girl. I don't care who you are. That we started Reaching out, I told her I'm going to marry you. She thought, you're crazy. 
I've put off all these other guys and who thought they were great and had money and everything. And you, a preacher? And I said, I'm going to marry you. She says, you don't even know me. I said, my God knows you. And that's enough for me. You are mine. And from there, anytime we would meet to talk, she would not say a word. She would look at me. I would talk and you know, you know, you know how the Lord is good and all this kind of stuff. And when I was done, I would say, uh, so what's your take? And she would just check her wristwatch, look around and say nothing. Literally telling me, you know what? Back off. And I felt like, God, this girl is very proud. Why don't I just let her be? Okay. Because honestly, I've done my best. God says, you live by faith. I said, okay. Let me tell you, all this cannot happen unless you trust God. And to have faith, anything that is not done by faith is sin. So if you have a marriage, a relationship that is not in faith, you are sinning. So I grabbed her hands and I said, it is written. You shall have whatsoever you say, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Father, I thank you because this girl can talk to me. This girl doesn't treat me less. She's an amazing woman. She can talk to me. I thank you she talks to me. In Jesus' name, amen. And I would say, man, open my eyes. And she's looking at me, no saying amen, nothing. It was me carrying my Lord all alone. And I did it for months. I was in faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And marriage is all about faith in God. So I did it for months. It wasn't about what I wanted. It was about what God required of me. What God expected of me. God expected me to love that girl and show her what love is all about. And I started speaking life. Whatever I wanted to see in her life is what I was speaking. I stopped speaking what she was doing and started speaking what I wanted her to be. And after Mern, she comes in and says, yes, I understand that, Pastor. And I'm like, okay, God, I know this pastor thing. Lord, I thank you because, yes, thank you because she can open up now. She can talk, but she didn't call me to be a pastor. Thank you because she can remove all these formalities and we can just say, thank you, Cyrus. How are you, Cyrus? Words like that, Lord. Thank you because it's happening. And I did that for another month. And today she's a preacher. Today she's open. Today she talks. Today she's amazing. And I look back and I say, this is what it means to love a woman. You cleanse her. You lay down your life. And as we moved on one day, she walks into a restaurant with seats. And she had done something. And I told her, women don't behave like that. She said, where do you get the audacity to rebuke me? You've not even married me yet. How dare you? I said, you know, the Bible says I have to clean you, wash you with the word and all this kind of stuff. So I'm doing my duty before I put a ring on your finger. And she said, I'm going to walk out on you. I thought she was playing. I said, I dare you. She stood up and walked out of that restaurant and I stayed on the table and all the eyes turned around and looked at me and said, poor boy, you're in for a treat. 
<laughs> it's over with you. And that's what happened. And she moved on. The next morning I call her in. We sit. And it was as if nothing happened. Hi, how are you? Are you okay? I said, I'm fine. Uh, but yesterday you walked out on me. And says, you say that stuff again, I'm walking out on you again. I said, let me tell you, if you are going to be my wife, I'm going to say that stuff. I'm going to say it and say it and say it until you can admit and allow God to do a work in you. If you want to walk out, you better start now. You see, man, when you choose to love a woman, don't lose your responsibility. Don't lose your position. Because I know many of you believe, if I'm going to love you, then I'm going to let you do what you want. That is not loving a woman. You're going to stand and tell her, that, that's not of God. I object to that. Oh, pastor, she's going to be mad. No, the reason she's mad is because she's trying to fulfill her own ends. But this is about God, not us. She overcame that. We went through it all. And we're having a happy marriage. Our purpose is just staying one. So I'm always open with her. I had nothing. The problem we've had is your expectations. That's why most of the books on the market today about relationships, they only say, what do you need as a man? Find out everything a man needs. Have you heard that stuff before? What do you need as a man? Come here. A man, as a man, I need sexual satisfaction. That is my need. Number one, if I don't get it, you might push me to go around shopping somewhere else. Are you ridiculous? Let me tell you something. If you have not received some sex in a month or two, Instead of complaining, love your wife. Because this is still not about you, son. This is still about Jesus. So do you think Jesus is expecting you to throw a tantrum? And you say, oh, no. Ah, Jesus, I can't take this anymore. I'm not going to talk to that lady until she really gives me some sex. Because you know we men are in for sex. We men are in. No, no. Don't believe that nonsense. Believe the Bible here. It says you are able to stand. And as a matter of fact, you know God made you to stand for quite a long time without a woman before a woman showed up. So this nonsense, a man can't live without sex. That's a lie. Can you wave at me if you understand what I'm saying? I know some of you guys are thinking, oh, good. You, <laughs> you don't know what you're talking about because sex is the best thing that ever happened to me. Seriously? Maybe you're just trying to use sex to fill up the emptiness within. In reality, all you need is God. And let the Fulfillment, the wholeness from God, flow towards others. Don't just say it's all about me. Amen? It's about God. So if you have a man like this and it's a, oh, these are my needs. These are my needs. The other day I had someone say, oh, my needs. If you meet my needs and if you just love me and you just buy me gifts, then I will love you back. That is nonsense. 
Why? Because this is not about you. If you pursue God, God will make sure all your life is put in shape and in order. But you pursue your needs in marriage. You think God created marriage just for your needs? He created it for himself. Revelation 4.11. For he created all things for himself and for his pleasure. You mean even having sex was created by God? Yes, and for his pleasure. So if he's not getting pleasure and you want to keep getting pleasure, you're going to be addicted to your own desires. So your pleasure got to start from him down to the rest. And you're going to see the oneness. This whole thing, I know, by the way, I can beat your understanding here. Some of the things that have killed your marriages is you sit back and say, he doesn't understand my love language. If he knew my love language, I would be better. Oh, honey, what's your love language? Quality time. I want him to just be there for me, to just be there. How selfish. Can you hear yourself? Can you hear yourself? Let me tell you this. Love is not what you feel. Love is what you will. You get me? So if you don't feel nothing, it doesn't mean you don't love. As long as you will, it works. I was teaching in a seminar like this and somebody came and raised up and gave me a question and said, Pastor, what do you do if you found your husband in bed with another woman? I said, you shout, hallelujah. <laughs> she said, what? Shout hallelujah. It's not born again, but you know, we are not fools. We are born again, but we are not what? I say, you see, the reality is this. The Bible says you bless your enemies and you cast them not. Say, if your husband is sleeping with another man or your spouse is sleeping with another uh, woman or whatever, your husband is sleeping with another wife, (coughs) I think that's the best way. So if your man is sleeping with another woman, uh and another woman probably Maybe you're a woman and you think my husband is sleeping with another woman. And maybe you're a man and you think my wife is sleeping with another man. And maybe it goes on. The best part of it is stop thinking. And begin praising God for your spouse. This quackness is just telling me, sir, I'm not sure I believe you. Don't worry, you're going to believe me. This is how it works. God is a God of faith. Love is not a feeling. You get me? So if you find your husband in bed with another woman, what do you do? Okay, let me get your answers. What do you do? You don't want to shout hallelujah? Tell me what you shout. (laughs) Now you hear those answers and we are born again. Hallelujah. 
Amen. Now, this is the reality, ladies and gentlemen. Find him in bed with another woman. Lord, I praise you. I bless my husband. I speak glory upon him. Thank you for preserving him. And he said, what? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> now, now, you see, this is where I want all of you right now. This is where I'm grabbing your attention right now. Because this is the reality. Forget about everything we feel. The problem is we handle relationships based on our emotions. And not based on what the word of God says. Do you know that that particular person who cheated with your wife. Christ died for them too. That he actually carried that sin they've committed onto the cross before they even ever got down to it. I'm asking. I'm, I'm, I'm just asking. Okay, can you give me an answer? Did Jesus die for them? Did he carry their sins too? Including sleeping with your wife? Uh -huh. Now, so what do you do? This is the reality. Bless your enemies and cast not. Do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. This is the reality. If you find blessing, don't lose your head over it. God is still in control. God is still in control. Bless your spouse. You won't feel it the first time. You will feel every animosity within you. But you don't walk by sight. You walk by faith. And this is something you need to practice on a daily basis. As you practice it, it becomes easy. That in the heat of the moment, the spirit responds and not your flesh. So you're able to say, I bless and if you're a woman, you say, honey, I actually made you some bluebell ice cream and everything. I know you love it. Over here, mix it with some root beer. You can have yourself some good time. Why? Because now you're trusting God to take care of your situation. You're not taking care of the situation yourself by your carnality. So you step out in faith and you say, I bless you. And if he comes, if he doesn't come, you might say it the first time and even say, I don't care. And you say, oh, you don't care, huh? What did you say? You don't care? You think I'm a fool? No. The part of I don't care is still part of training you, changing you. That you do what God expects of you, not what you want to do. So what does God expect of you? Bring out a 350? Is that what God expects of you? Remember, I said it's expectation. <laughs> so what does God expect of you? Pull out a shotgun? Oh. No! No! 
He expects you to reveal Christ. Let me tell you, this is what faith is all about in Christ. It doesn't work in some places and then leaves out in other places. That's why you need to step out by faith and say, even now, I still love you, even if I don't feel anything, but I love you. The more you say, I love you, the more you will hear it. The more you hear it, the more your feelings will begin responding to what they hear. Because your emotions submit to what they hear. And last but not least, you need to understand. Many of you probably, your marriages, your relationship is shaking and you don't know how to, you say, I want to take it back to where it started. You can't take it back to where it started. It's got to grow. Okay? Because many of you say, I need that fire again. You don't need the fire. Flames do not uphold. It's the coals. So you got to build a relationship to sustain itself. How? Expectation of God. So by faith, if you get home and your spouse doesn't want to talk to you, how many of you know that silent game, eh? He doesn't want to talk to you, you also say, eh? you, think, you think we go to school to learn that stuff? No, sir, I don't go to school to learn that stuff. You don't want to talk? I won't talk. Let's see who's going to give in first. Now, you, you see that level of pride? Huh? I'm not giving in first. No, no, it's going to be me. No, it's going to be you. Okay. I can run a week. Let's see. And you come to church and say, hallelujah, hallelujah. Honestly? Let me tell you this. You're supposed to talk to your spouse and don't look for, for a good time to talk. Talk by faith. The problem we have is that when there's any silence in our relationship, we wait for a good time. Husbands, there's no good time. You make the good time. Don't say, honey, this thing is still burning me. I can't talk to you now. No, 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 no. In fact... If she offended you, the offended party is supposed to initiate the talks. If she offended you, the offended party is supposed to reach out to the offender. Why? Because Christ, we, he never offended us. We offended him. But who reached out? So it's the offended party that reaches out. Do you begin sensing a level of pulling you down? Huh? Getting you down. Humility. Amen? So you never get to a place, I can't talk to you. No. I remember my wife, when we had just gotten married, she would go. <clears throat> and I'll come in and say, honey, let me tell you something. You're going to talk to me. Whether you like it or not. And she say, 
you would feel it, huh? And I would say, it doesn't matter what you're going through or whatever I did wrong. You're supposed to talk to me. And I'm talking to you. In fact, I love you. You're the best thing God has ever given me. You are my. And she said, you just stop that stuff of yours. I said, no, baby, you're still mine. I kept reaching out to her, reaching out to her. And I told her, do you know you have no right to keep quiet on me? Why does God expect you? How many of you are here and God expects you to shut down because your husband annoyed you? Come on now. <laughs> you shouldn't. By faith, you reach out and those bad feelings will begin changing. And if any thought comes to your mind and it tells you that man is not good enough, that girl is not beautiful enough. Remember when you just married her? Oh my goodness, she was hot. But look at her now. I don't think she's that beautiful. That's the enemy. What do you do? I cast down every vain imagination in the name of Jesus because that thought is exalting itself above the knowledge Because God already knows that's your spouse. So what do you do? You say, I cast it down in Jesus' mighty name. That's what God expects of you. You don't just keep it and you say, you know what? I no longer have feelings for you. You no longer have feelings for me. Don't worry. You can bring them back. You can bring them back. And I'm going to tell you how to bring back those feelings. All you need to do is say, Lord, I thank you because you gave me this man. And he's the best thing that ever happened to me. Even when your whole body is protesting. No, he is not. You just say it. Can I get a witness to the house? You just say it. Why? Because it's a spiritual warfare. You're fighting unseen powers. Just say it. Never allow those thoughts to linger in your mind. Okay? You fight thoughts with thoughts, not thoughts with words. You fight thoughts with words, not thoughts with thoughts. You get me? Not thoughts with thoughts. And I'll say this lastly. I'll give you this. Can you be able to count from one within your mind? Just that and we'll be done. From one to ten, okay? You don't say anything and don't count. No, just take it easy, okay? Are you ready? And while you're counting, I'll give you another command and just obey it, okay? Now don't speak, just count in your mind. One, two, three, start. Now speak out your name. Now, when you speak out your name, the counting dies. Right? Right? So if any negative thought comes to you about your spouse, speak out the word of God concerning it. And that negative thought will be pulled down to the subjection of Jesus Christ. <laughs> Expectation. Is all about God and not about you. Can I get an amen in the house? Am I well understood? Uh-huh. Now you know the purpose of marriage. You know how it all builds up.
And thank God she recorded it so you'll get it from her. You know how it all builds up? Amen. I've read a book having most of these materials. And it's not yet released over here. But we're going to work out where I can do a PDF or something that can be gotten online. Because some churches in Uganda have started using it as a manual. Unlocking marital bliss. People that read it go like, this is not what we used to. Because many are told them, forget about love languages, put it out. Forget about your needs, put it out. Expectation. What do you expect of me? Hallelujah. That settles everything. Marriage can't fail. Do I have a question? I'm only hearing sighs, huh? <laughs> Hallelujah. Can we call it a day? Good. Now that there's no question, all I can say, don't forget the purpose. Fulfill it. Enjoy. And it's all about Him. Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org.